Ideology of Madness. Thank you, and you guys rock. Now, your podcast is uh, Backseat Producers Box Office? Yeah, it's uh, Backseat Box Office on the Backseat Producers feed. Uh, We sit around and try to guess what the uh, top five movies are going to be each week. And we've got about 11 episodes that say we are mediocre at best. Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne, and some new guy. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. This is some new guy, or uh, Andrew. Andrew, that's my name. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? Doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Andrew, as as you have heard, is a new guy. <laughs> He's visiting with us today. Um, Andrew, tell us uh, about uh, how you got into comic books. Uh, well, growing up, uh, I remember very clearly I was about seven or eight, and I was at a Walden Books, and there was this big spin rack, and uh, they had this issue. I think it was 11 of the West Coast Avengers, and I begged my mother to buy it for me. She finally relented, bought it. That kind of started my journey. And so you, you've been in for, you know, let's see, that, that you were like, what, seven or eight when, when that happened? Yeah, it was back in the uh, mid-80s. Oh, okay. okay. So now, have have you collected along that entire path have you have you you know left comics come back to comics no um during college uh, i kind of dropped out and, and kind of stayed out until you know one day i was over at the spooky outhouse forums and i heard about this new podcast called funny books started listening to it and suddenly i just started uh collecting comics again look at you i know <laughs> you got me back in so yet another person aaron who you've taken their money and given to the comic book companies I just really think we should get a kickback on that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> My wife especially wanted me to thank you for that, too. But all of you, really. <laughs> Anytime. Happy to help. <laughs> yeah. Tell her to do it on the mics like Tim's wife when uh, he mentioned that he went over his budget. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I believe that's where the phrase going to scalp a bitch came from. So. Yeah. <laughs> So when it occurred to me that we were going to have five guys on the mic again, instantly I was in the mood for a burger. (laughs) So for the next hour of recording, I'm just going to think about nothing but getting a burger after this is done. (laughs) All right, Paul. I'm hungry, damn it. So so did any of you guys watch Fire Breather last week? I know Paul did. But any of the rest of you guys? Nope, I didn't. I did not. No. All right, well, this is going to be dynamic podcasting then. <laughs> so, Paul, Aaron, talk, go. <laughs> so, Paul, what would you think of the animation on that? You know, the uh, Fire Breather being the uh, Phil Hester, Andy Kuhn-based uh, animated feature that was on Cartoon Network last week. I got to say, the animation, I felt, was – it was TV-level CG animation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I enjoyed the movie, and I thought it, you know, despite the limitations in budget or whatever. I mean, I thought it was pretty to look at. You know, I thought that it was pretty to look at. I just didn't think that the animation style worked for the story. 
I would have been much more interested in seeing something that was a little bit more traditionally animated and st- like the opening feature, you know, where they were doing that, that was done by the other, other artistic team. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Um, it was kind of the flashback and history uh, piece of it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I really liked that style, but I didn't like how, you know, incredibles it looked. It didn't have the atmosphere that I was looking for. Well, it was uh, directed by Peter Chung, right. who is the guy who was responsible for Eon Flux. Right. So, you know, I, I could kind of tell that style was there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I didn't mind the look so much. I wish it looked a little bit more like the comic book. That, that was what I was hoping for. Because the comic book is done in a very – Andy Kuhn's art is very Mike Mignola. Right. right. And uh, we've already seen that Mike Mignola's art translates really well to animation with the amazing screw on head. I guess that was my disappointment. And don't get me wrong. I did enjoy it. I think I think it was a really strong feature. I, I, I wanted to see more of the Andy Kuhn style coming through because you're absolutely right. You know, We know that that style works in animation. The atmosphere and, and the – the texture of it is just so wonderful on the page. I just wanted to see that brought over to the screen that the whole CGI Incredibles look, I just didn't think worked as well, though. I'm sure that in this uh, star Wars clone wars generation, I'm sure that that probably resonates more with, with the kids than uh, perhaps the animation that I was looking for <laughs> resonates with the kids, with the, with the children's. But uh, I did think it was really good. I mean, you know, I've only read a couple of issues of Firebreather, and I've enjoyed what I've read. I thought the uh, the story and the voice acting was really strong. Yeah, I I mean, I don't I don't I I agree. All right, okay, fine. That's it. That's the, well, it's all weird now because like everyone's quiet and on mute. And <laughs> it's kind of like all uncomfortable. Like, be quiet, kids. Mommy and daddy no, are talking. I was, <laughs> I, was I was I was looking up Peter Chung's work because all I know of is his brother Wang Chung, <laughs> <laughs> who does good work, by the way. I, he does. Everybody Wang's Chung tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Work that in. Wow. <laughs> I take it back. Put yourselves back on mute. <laughs> Sometimes you look forward to the awkward silences. Gives Aaron something to do. <laughs> Edit out those awkward silences. Yeah, edit out right. the awkward silences. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's going to be plenty of awkward silence because Wayne bought Adventure Comics issue 521. Who the hell buys that? People that are reading Legion of Superheroes. Aaron didn't buy it. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, but I'm, <laughs> I'm also off of Legion of Superheroes, so. Uh, you know, and that's actually, all I really have to say about it is a rant. So Legion of Superheroes had the, the storyline we talked about for a while of Earthman getting the Green Lantern ring and uh, basically the hunt for the new Green Lantern. So you would think this was a big story in Legion that they would you know tell the story in Legion. No, no, they put it in Adventure Comics 521. So instead of buying this, you know, the regular Legion title, getting the the whole story there that they've been building up to, no, I have to go out to another book that I don't ever touch and buy a single issue that has a backstory taking up half of it just for the purpose of finding out who the new Green Lantern is going to be on it. I mean, the story was good. The art looks just like it does in Legion. There's My complaint isn't with the story itself. It's just that if you're doing all this buildup in the main title, you know, for a big reveal and a uh, a big give, why the hell would you do it in another book other than to get more money from people buying a book that they don't want to buy? 
So yeah, you, that's that's my rant. I uh, isn't that I kind of actually, the point of crossovers to get people to buy books they wouldn't normally buy? It's not a crossover. I mean, it's uh, an adventure, but it is just a Legion story. Hmm. There's no ad- other characters in it. Are you just mad because Brainiac three lost the uh, the election? Actually, I have no idea who won or lost the election. Oh, and it'd be kind of like a like a like a, a bitter Brady there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually am very annoyed with DC for having done this. You know, they did all this build up in the main title, and then when the trade comes out in the main title, unless they reprint this into it, you're going to be missing the whole give of you know in the Legion trade. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's rough, That's buddy. All. Just, just wanted to rant that DC sucks. Rant over. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think anybody is empathizing with you, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're capable of empathy on this podcast. <laughs> you, you brought this that's upon true. yourself for reading Legion of Superheroes. Legion that's, of that's Superheroes why. is a great book. It's still, at this point, is the book that every time I get it, I look at it and think, do I really want to read this? Is it going to be any good? And then when I read it, it tends to be one of my favorite books that week. It's like your dominatrix book. <laughs> it's just like that. It's just like that. No Speaking difference. of dominatrix book, how was Batman Orphans? I got to tell you, there is a lot going on in this book for uh, three ninety nine. Well, there better be for three ninety nine. It's a ridiculous price. Ridiculous. But <laughs> I mean, it's got forty four pages of, of just this complex story going on. Things are all over the place. The point of view, perspective changes on a semi, you know, page basis. But you know, it's pretty good. The, the art's very stylized. I don't. Not horribly in love with it. Uh, Carlos, or sorry, Carlo Barberi seems to really enjoy big feet and high waisted pants. But uh, it, it was worth it. It was very interesting. It's a good story. Who doesn't like big feet and high waisted pants? <laughs> I know that's what I look for in a girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, yeah, Carlo Barberi, his art's very close to Umberto Ramos, I think. Yeah, from Impulse, right? Yeah, from Impulse and now on Amazing Spider-Man. Right, right. So, you know, if you're into that type of art, I, I think you'll you'll find this book beautiful. I mean, I, that I thought really explains why I didn't like the art then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I really loved the art in this book. Um, the story was a little iffy. Now, it is $3.99. Like Andrew said, it's 44 pages. And you can clearly tell that it was originally planned to be a four-issue miniseries because half the book is issue one, half the book is issue two. And this is the first issue of two. So I guess they decided to just do two double-sized books instead of four regular-sized books. I mean, they even so, have the break right there, you know, as if it was two books just put together. They even have, like, the, the finished page for the first one and goes right in the second one. Batman Orphans. So this isn't a look at, like, all the kids whose parents read Grant Morrison's latest run and, like, left off a cliff. Is that the storyline? <laughs> it's like it's raise close. kids for the uh, – raise funds for the kids without parents because of Grant Morrison. Well, and here's the sad thing. Two issues in, I'm not entirely sure what the hell it's about. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, the story essentially is that someone has assumed Batman's identity and is taking these runaways and turning them into Robins. They think they're actually working for the real Batman, um, but obviously it's not the real Batman because he sets these Robins out and they basically are like cannon fodder. They keep dying. And, and so, he drugs them beforehand so that they're homicidal as well. So they're not working for the real Batman, so that means they're working for Dick Grayson? No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, speaking of Dick Grayson, this is a very odd timing kind of book in that Dick Grayson is still Nightwing. 
Tim Drake is still Robin. What's his face? The guy who was became the Spectre? Jim Jim Corrigan. Yeah. Jim Corrigan is still partners with uh, Renee Montoya, who has not become the question yet. So I don't know if this book is intentionally meant to be set out of time or if it was just done like five years ago. Yeah, yeah and, and I think I think really- it was meant to do that. I think it was intentionally out of continuity, kind of this nostalgia from, from when I first started the uh, original Night Ring. Nightwing run, uh, and I really enjoyed kind of you know the references to Dick being down in Bloodhaven and uh, uh, Tim still being Robin. And it was kind of nice because I haven't really enjoyed any of the recent Bat stuff with uh, uh, Grant Morrison. Same here. I, I really miss the Nightwing book, and yeah. I think people that buy Grant Morrison books should be punished. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> isn't buying them punishment enough? <laughs> no, <laughs> must be punished. No, more. because it tells them that they should have him make more of them. It's people like you that give us more Grant Morrison books, Paul. You're just encouraging me. Yeah, I'm not going to defend you, Paul, unless they start jumping on Damian Wayne, and then I'm going to get out the chainsaw. (laughs) It's it's because of you that the terrorists are winning, Paul. That's right. (laughs) And by terrorists, we mean Grant Morrison. And by the way, you're ruining Christmas, Paul. Uh, That's my intention. There is no Christmas this year. There is only Grantmas. Last week we had talked about uh, Amazing Spider-Man, I think it was 650, and there was a backup in that book, um, or maybe it was 649, I don't recall. It was some Spider-Man book I read, (laughs) Um, but it had a Spider-Girl backup in it. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I loved how uh, the, the story was being narrated, and essentially, you know, Spider-Girl's narrating the story 140 characters at a time as a, as a Twitter, it's like a little Twitter feed, you know, on, on the side of the panel. And I, I really enjoyed how that worked, and I liked the perspective of the character. So this week when I was at the comic shop, I went and I picked up Spider-Girl number one, written by uh, Paul Tobin, and absolutely hated this book. The character that I read in the uh, in the Spider-Man book was not at all what I was what I got in Spider Girl number one. Did not like this book one little bit. You know, I'm glad to hear that because they did the those sneak peeks that they do. Yeah. The uh, the free books that have the previews. The last one of that, not the one that came out this week, had a preview of Spider Girl number one, and I read that part of it, and it was really <laughs> horrible. And mm-hmm. then the you know that week, you come on saying in the back of this book they have this really incredible Spider Girl thing, and I'm thinking it's the same preview, and I thought I was going to have to call the White Coats to come and get you. <laughs> well, but the, what you described was not what they had in the preview. What you described as your horrible issue, that is what they had in the preview. Well, it's really sad because the artwork is very nice. The story just didn't work for me at all. And it was not at all the same flavor that you got out of uh, that backup book. Now, uh, Paul, did you read that backup story in Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah, it was uh, 648, which was the first issue of Big Time. Um, and And I think when we talked about it on the show, I said, you know, the Spider-Girl backup is actually very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't good enough to make me pick up the first issue. But I was tempted. But, you know, I've been bur- burned enough on Batgirl to uh, <laughs> to not pick up anything with girl in the title. <laughs> that, that, and she, did, she didn't look like she had the Billy Ray Cyrus mullet going on in the uh, <laughs> 68. Whereas in her other book, it's like, that hairdo is ridiculous. Well, I, I was very disappointed because, you know, when it first came out, I was like, ooh, Spider-Girl, I'm no, you know, and I avoided it. But I loved that backup so much, and this was such a letdown. So boo on you, Spider-Girl. Boo on you. 
Boo. <laughs> you know, since we're talking about letdowns, you know how you know the last two weeks we've been talking about how great, great. You know, it's like we go to the comic shop, we come home, and it's like a joygasm because it's been yeah. two weeks of good comics. Fucking Shadowland number five came out this week, so you know how this is going to go. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you, Paul, because while I didn't read Shadowland, this was the evil opposite of last week in terms of the books I read. You know, last week it was one fantastic book after another, and this book was one craptastic book after another. So please, Paul, please tell us how shitty Shadowland was. Uh, I, I'm going to go on record. <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, you're, I'm going to need a spoiler here in a second. Worst crossover event of the year. When the, when we released this year's Funnies, Funny Award, Funny Book Awards, worst crossover event of the year. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I've been waiting for this freaking crossover to end. Because I guess these last couple of issues have just been delayed. And it seems like it's been, considering it's only five issues, I feel like I've been reading this thing for about a year. Um, <laughs> That's time you're god. not getting back. <laughs> no, I hate it. I hate it. I probably shouldn't bash it so bad because I'll probably give it away eventually. Do you think? But, maybe um, <laughs> they, I mean, you think maybe they held it back, going, "This is really crappy. Let's not release it yet. Let's see if it gets better. See if it ages well." It just kept getting crappier instead of better, and okay, let it go. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, and considering Daredevil Reborn starts next month, it's not like Daredevil's even taken off the board for very long. Yeah, I, and they I, I didn't even it. kill him. Why does he need to be reborn if he's not dead? Good point. Is it a metaphorical rebirth? It's a spiritual rebirth, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I don't read comics for metaphorical rebirth. <laughs> Fair enough. I've said all along this series is better if you're not reading the tie-ins, but I opened this to like the first couple of pages and had no clue what was going on. So there's definitely had to have been more going on in the tie-ins than uh, the main series here, because it started off from... I have no clue where... What would, what would happen before this? Yeah, there, maybe that's because the other understand. book was a couple months ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't understand how you could have. Well, I don't get how you could have understood this issue without having read Daredevil five eleven because it literally leads right into the beginning of this issue. But even then, having read them both, it still doesn't make any sense. It's just I hated this. I, I absolutely hated this book. But Wayne, did you actually like it? God no, this was horrible. <laughs> so no, there was no, there was nothing redeeming about this book whatsoever. Plus, it was confusing because I had no idea where it was starting. I, I have nothing good to say about this book. Well, there's one good thing to say about it. Foggy Nelson took down Daredevil. <laughs> that, oh, spoiler warning on. Wait, what? <laughs> so, Foggy Nelson? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're wrong. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, well, he's wrong. All right. Ghost Rider was a distraction so that uh, Iron Fist could basically wake up Daredevil long enough for Daredevil to take down Daredevil. Daredevil did take down Daredevil because of Elektra. Elektra took down Daredevil. See, we can't even agree about who took down Daredevil in this shitty book. <laughs> <laughs> well, because all of Matt's friends have been trying for four issues, and he's like, no, 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 I'm I'm evil, you know, but Foggy Nelson shows up and he's like, Foggy? And like, that's the moment's distraction the heroes need to take down Daredevil. Uh, of all people, Foggy Nelson is the one that wakes him up from his uh, possession. God damn, you know Foggy what else Nelson. pissed me off about this book besides everything about the book? The Typhoid Mary and uh, Kingpin thing at the end. 
I really liked Avengers Initiative, and they have to tie this to Avengers Initiative by, you know, having her have a secret fourth identity. That was all bullshit. Shit. I. <laughs> Wait, what? What was her secret fourth identity? Typhoid Mary has another personality that apparently only comes out if you say, "Was it Fragable Archipelago and Sibilance?" <laughs> then a secret fourth personality comes out that's working for Kingpin. And the same, like, what the hell? What happens if you say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Secret I think fifth. she kills you. <laughs> no, I think it's the secret fifth identity. That's ridiculous. Just yeah, ridiculous. Cop comes off her, and that's what happens. Beginning to end, that was the one thing as I'm reading through, it gets to this point. It's like, okay, maybe there's going to be something redeeming here as she stands up to Kingpin. And no, no, he pulls out three stupid words to bring another identity, you know, and he, she's been working for him the whole time. Nothing redeeming about this book, other than it's over. Yeah, that, that's I'm I'm done. I'm not picking up Daredevil Reborn. This is so bad. I don't even want to pick up Black Panther, Man Without Fear. Um, it, it was just it was just a horrible, horrible way to end the storyline. Uh, I, I I just don't get. You know, Daredevil is so cool. The character. You know, the stories that Bendis and Brubaker have told over the, the last 10 years have been fantastic. I don't understand how we came to this. Well, I think what we're going to find, and um, for those, if I'm, I'm going to make a reference here that people aren't going to get until later on this week when you listen to the next issue or episode of Knights of Rainsboro. I think they've, this storyline got too far away from the core concept of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. That there was there was no you know the, the core concept of Daredevil is you know his battle with his faith and blah 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 and this literally had nothing <laughs> to do with any of that. I think that was Stan Lee's original pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know you're right. I mean you know Daredevil is you know he the the religion aspect was something that's been added in over the last you know what twenty years or so thirty years or so. Yeah. But you know the the original was. You know, he was a man without fear. He was, uh, you know, someone who had overcome his disability. He, you know, had a passion for justice. Uh, you know, but does have a little bit of a dark side. Um, I, I, I hate to see that it, it that it went now because I think the pitch of Shadowland. If you go back to the episode where uh, the first Shadowland episode came, or first Shadowland book came out, um, we were all so excited about that. This had a whole lot of potential, and they just squandered it. It just was not executed well at all. You know, beyond the delays, uh, everything else, you know, the, the story, the, the pacing, just blech. But it does lead into Heroes for Hire to a certain extent. Yes, it does. Because, you know, Daredevil's no longer <clears throat> the big guy in uh, Hell's Kitchen, and so Heroes have come in to, to take his place, essentially. Yeah, and this one's written by Abnett and Lanning, uh, two of our our favorite guys. What do you guys think? Reading Heroes for Hire. Uh, I, I'm very much a big fan. I've always I'm been always a big fan of Marvel street level characters, so I was, I was very excited about this book. Uh, it, it was okay. It it basically features uh, this mysterious control people uh, coordinating these various heroes on specific on. missions, uh, basically busting up a busting drug up a running drug. ring. It was okay. You know, the art was all right. Uh, it was kind of for three ninety nine. Getting twenty two pages of story seems a little bit light, and they have these 
ridiculous seven and a half pages of text at the end that really did nothing for me. Now, Andrew, I know you're new on the show. You know, this is the first time you're guesting on, on funny books and you're trying to make a good impression. Okay. It is okay to say, I feel like I was ass raped by this book. It's okay <laughs> to say that. So we can uh, go explicit. That's right. It is also okay to say, oh, this is Birds of Prey from DC Comics. You know, I, I, I opened up the, the first page, and that was exactly what I got. I was like, oh, okay, so Misty Knight is now Oracle, <laughs> and these are her birds of prey in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Let me tell you where this thing went wrong, because it has, <laughs> the, it has the right characters. I love the Falcon. I, I think the Falcon has historically been underutilized. I love Black Widow. I love the, – the cover was great. I was so excited about the cover. You know, it's it's one of the best covers I've seen in a while. You know, anytime you get to see Ghost Rider swinging that chain and charging at you in his leathers, that's a pretty nice, pretty nice uh, image. Like Iron Fist on the cover, and I'm I'm like, okay, so I like all of these guys. The whole not knowing who's giving you the orders and why. When has that ever been a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> and all of these guys are experienced enough to be able to say, this is not a really good idea. Yeah, they they should know better. Yeah. In the art, Misty Knight's lips are freakish. You know, they keep they keep close close enough on her lips and it's like she needs, you know, some chapstick. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was just completely creeped out by uh the, the those close-ups on her lips because they just kind of drew them in a rather, you know, freakish manner. I think this has a, had a lot of potential. It was not executed well at all. Yeah. No, um, no, it wasn't. I have to agree with you guys. I gotta say, I was really looking forward to this book. Yeah. This takes all of my favorite Marvel characters, other than Spider-Man. I mean, my favorite Marvel characters are the street-level heroes: yeah. Iron Fist, Ghost Rider, Moon Knight, Punisher. You know, those types of characters, um, and, and puts them all in one book. And I'm like, how can you go wrong? Yeah. Well, and this is how you go wrong, which is, and and I hate to say this because I do love Abnett and Lanning. Yeah. It, it's not well written. No. The art is horrible, and you know. Uh, spoiler warnings on again. Tim. At the end, yeah. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> at, at the end, it's revealed that Puppet Master is the mysterious man controlling all of this. Which, of course, you're like, well, why? And you know, of course, obviously, that'll be answered eventually. But the, am I the only one confused by the ending? So was this entire thing a dream? No. Well, she's she's controlling everything through her arm while she's in, you know, either unconscious or in a coma. Right. So she she's all uh, you know she's using her USB 2.0 to. You know. <laughs> I think that's FireWire. I think that's FireWire. <laughs> okay. So she she's all you know hooked up you know into the internets as it were to uh, <laughs> to control her team. Okay, so she wasn't actually. I mean, I get that she wasn't actually at the desk. Right. But she thinks she was, and she's still control. She's doing all of that stuff that supposedly she was doing. That's right. Right. Whatever, fuck this book. It was. I, I was so disappointed because I, I loved the original Heroes for Hire. You know, and they've got all that Heroes for Hire saga stuff that uh, Andrew mentioned at the back of the book. I loved those books. Uh, those were those were fun books back in the day, and I was looking for that same kind of fun book, and this wasn't it. Despite yeah. the fact that I love the characters that are in it, I just hate the way they were used. Well, I love how on the cover they have, uh, you know, they have Iron Fist, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Moon Knight, Elektra, and only two of those people are actually in the book. book. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a tease. 
I, I found it very interesting that Misty is having a conversation about Danny Rand and his relationship with her to a mysterious benefactor whose identity she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. She's having conversations about their secret identities to someone she doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, obviously the heroes for hire can't get to everything. Sometimes some crimes go slipping through the cracks. You know, I feel dirty listening to Heroes for Hire um, discussion. I'm going to need full on, like, lice powder and fire hydrant. Oh, my God. Yeah, Paul. Go ahead, do it. Finish it. <laughs> but these two gumshoes are picking up the slack. There is no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call Chippendale. <laughs> oh, you should never do that again. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome, Paul. Don't listen to them. Yeah, that was made again. Oh, Paul, that was amazing. That's a man committed. Uh, this will yeah. be known as Paul's last show. A man that should be committed. Whatever. I'm taking Darkwing Duck with me in the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> No way, that was mine. You can have him and all of your Grant Morrison. Yeah, you, you get the steaming pile of Batman in the divorce, Paul. Yeah, well, no one else wanted it. So, Chippendale Rescue Rangers came out this week from Boom Studios, um, written by the same guy who writes Darkwing Duck, which Wayne and I both very much enjoy. Um, Wayne did not pick up Rescue Rangers number one, but Andrew did. I did, and you know who loved it? My son loved this comic book. I mean, this is for someone who's much younger. I think this is a great, great book. The arts, you know, very, very true to its, uh, you know, uh, source material. Uh, the characters are funny. It's got a, you know, for a young child, an interesting plot line. Personally, I thought it was. It didn't really grab me or anything. It was. It was. Meh. It was kind of boring. But uh, for a young audience, I think this is great. How old's your son, Andrew? He is five. I think Rescue Rangers reads a little younger than the Darkwing Duck book, no. and both are appropriate for all ages. It's appropriate, but, but not really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and I'll, I'll agree with that. You know, it, it's 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 a beautiful book. You know, if you love the show, it's a lot of fun. But this one is definitely more geared towards kids, which I know. You know, like it's a kids' book. Well, yes and no, because Rescue Rangers has hasn't been on TV <laughs> in what. 15 years i grew up watching it so it's been a while yeah so you know this should appeal to older kids such as ourselves um i I think a little bit more kind of like darkwing duck does i I did enjoy zipper zipper was the one entertaining thing in this book zipper i love it how he's yeah when he goes back home he tells everybody how he's a superhero and they all just you know fawn around him it's great but you know overall i dug it and I, i didn't hate it i just i was a little underwhelmed by it. And I can I can help you, Paul. Here's what you need to do. You need to ask yourself this question every time you pick up a comic book. Okay? Can this person get defeated by an overturned milk carton? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. You just don't pick up the book. <laughs> or, or by Foggy Nelson. If Foggy Nelson can defeat them, if then Foggy ooh. Nelson can defeat you or an overturned milk carton, you are not worth my two ninety nine. Hey, Foggy Nelson, he's got mad skills. So are you telling me I'm not supposed to buy a mouse guard anymore? Ooh, I, that's I, right. I, I could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you would be wrong though, Tim. Because those mouse guards, they're tool users. They can flip that crate. 
(laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't even get the crate. They just stab it to death. Right. So does Nightwing Duck skew to an older audience then? I think it skews – it's still – like I said, it can still be enjoyed um, by – by children, but I, I think it skews a little bit more towards appealing to fanboys. With it has, you know, cameos and crossovers and things like that. Uh, would you agree with that, Wayne? Yeah, and it's good, clean superhero fun, and it really does hit that nostalgia point for me. I mean, everything good I remember about Darkwing Duck is in the comic, and that's actually why I didn't pick up Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers because I only have room. You know, in my budget for one book like that that I'm buying for nostalgia and for enjoyment from, you know, cartoon. <laughs> you only effects. have one room, one one room for one book in your uh, in your budget for enjoyment. In that category, <laughs> in the category of you know, enjoying for pure nostalgia, just a fun book where I'm not terribly worried about continuity. Although the continuity is all there with the cartoon, and Chippendale, thankfully, is. Uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't pick it up after hearing you guys. You know, talking about it, it's two or three books this week that I almost bought that, after not buying, have been justified for not buying by hearing you guys trash them. It's great. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that I may be buying issue two just because my son enjoyed it so much because he he thought it was pretty awesome. Because after I read, I had him sit down and look over it, and he thought it was he thought it was great. So obviously, good for the kids. What was the yeah. cover price on that book? Three ninety nine. Is that a little stiff to? Uh, I, and I and I ask this, you know, because I'm not a parent. When you're buying a, a comic books for your kids, is is that something that you're looking at? Well, you know, it's it's the only comic book he's ever read, and okay. so just it's probably worth it to me just to get him a little bit interested in the hobby and and you know a little bit more into it. I mean, he's still pretty young, but yeah. uh, if I was buying him five three ninety nine books a week, then yeah, that would okay. be a problem. But just once a month, because you know, I, I I used to be that age where I'd ask my dad to uh, buy me comics, and I think that if he ever, I think the most expensive comic my dad ever bought for me was a buck, but of course, you know, that was thirty years ago. Uh, <laughs> and when you adjust for inflation, it's about the same. Yeah. Okay. You should break him in right and buy him a little book called Crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I like him. Or or yeah, but- Neonomicon. <laughs> He'd really rather that his son didn't grow up to be a serial killer. That's right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't believe that the family that reads about Cthulhu penis stays together. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron, you when know. you t- when you took the horse and buggy to town and you <laughs> asked him for Dick Tracy zero, he told you to, to piss up a rope. Is that what you're yeah. saying? He's like, go to hell. That's a dollar fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it has a cover. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Speaking of family-friendly entertainment, Taskmaster completed this week with issue four, featuring the Secret Avengers fighting Taskmaster on the cover, yet not doing that anywhere in the issue. Well, you know, they show up too late. (laughs) Steve Rogers, he's right there on time to miss all the action. (laughs) That that did crack me up. You know, they, they run in and, you know, everything's already happened. Yet they take up 75% of the cover. Yeah, exactly. They did their job. They sold the book. <laughs> this whole miniseries was, was really a re-envisioning of the Taskmaster's origin and who he is. I don't know how comfortable I am with that. I know I'm saying this a lot, but I agree. It, they've turned Taskmaster into – I'm going to spoil every book I talk about. Um, but he's, he's a misguided hero. 
essentially. Yeah, he you know, and he has a handler who just kind of points him in a good direction. So clearly, she's not been doing a very good job over the years. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, know, he's been working for Nick Fury the entire time. Essentially, is is what they tell you. Yeah. Oh, that's um, ridiculous. Now, I have enjoyed the story. I've enjoyed, you know, there, there is a lot of uh, wink and a nod kind of humor in the book. Uh, you know, for instance, the bad guy being called Red Shirt. <laughs> and, you know, he leads the Minions International Liberation Front or MILF. The future belongs to MILF. Uh, the, I, I think Fred Van Lente has, has written a very good book. I'm just not ready to release the origin of Taskmaster that I have known and loved, you know, cause Taskmaster was kind of a self-trained guy, you know, and now we find out that he's not, you know, that he, you know, was a shield agent, that he drank the special potion that gave him all these abilities. And previously he had just been a guy who, who had a, 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 an ability that wasn't necessarily a power, you know, he wasn't a mutant. It was just, you know, it's like you wouldn't call somebody with a photographic memory, a mutant, you you know he had you know th- those photo reflexes, and I just I don't like the retooling. I don't like that they've you know given him a power. Well, not only that, I don't like the fact that it, you could see the ending of this book coming a mile away. Right. Basically, he has a limited amount. I mean, the human brain can hold a limited amount of information. <laughs> so for every new skill he acquires, he has to forget something. Right. And so uh, it you know he 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 learns the truth of his origin just in time to learn a new skill and bump the truth of his origin out of his brain again. Right. And, you know, it, it feels a little wow, unfulfilling. that sounds horrible. <laughs> well, it's a little I mean, unfulfilling to get four issues in and, you know, end up back at square one. Right. Because I haven't got the title because I missed the first issue. It was sold out. I was planning on getting it in trade. Now I don't think I'm going to after hearing all that. That sounds like a really lame ending to the book. Taskmaster is essentially my beagle. You know, he has room for five things in his head. And when he learns that sixth thing, one of those other things has to drop out. He is essentially my beagle. You know, and and don't misunderstand me. This was an enjoyable series. It was fun. However, I feel like this issue kind of, I I think this issue wasn't as fun as the previous three. Yeah, this was the weakest. This was a weak book out of uh, three other extraordinary books. Yeah, because we've been loving this series, yeah. and yet you know, the ending leads us basically to say the entire series was disappointing as a whole right? because of the way it ended. Right, because issues one through three were outstanding. And, Paul, let's talk about the huge winner in this, in this whole series has been the art. The Absolutely. art has been terrific. You know, previously when we've seen Taskmaster fighting and employing, you know, uh, uh, fight sequences that he's observed from like Daredevil or other superheroes or supervillains, it's usually a personal narrative. The artist. It's uh, Jeff Tapalo, who also yeah. did Dr. Voodoo. Yeah, Jeff Tapalo. He came up with just a beautiful way to render that where he would inset over the Taskmaster the image of the hero or villain that he's emulating. It was amazing the art direction on this book Uh, it it, it really is terrific and that alone makes it a keeper despite how issue four turned out because even though i was disappointed in the way the story wrapped up the art was outstanding from beginning to end speaking of pretty art i know you guys really love the art on thor for asgard which is a simone bianchi correct yes yes (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I was looking to see who. How do you pronounce that last name? Yes, I just made it up. It, it, it's probably something completely different. It's probably like Smith. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm impressed you didn't get her confused with the colorist Simone uh, Peruzzi. So oh. good job. Yeah. Well, you know they are both the part of the creative system. staff. They are <laughs> creative team. It's kind of interesting because isn't it a painted book? How does he have a colorist? Uh, I am not sure, but it's credited on the credits page. Interesting. Maybe everybody gets a credit. We haven't talked about this one in a while, and I, I honestly, I, I think it's still a very pretty book. I'm not digging the story too much mm-hmm. anymore. I, I, it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, it, it basically, the story is everything's got everything is is going bad for the Asgardians since they um, Balder had died, and now they don't even have immortality. And basically, the, the storyline is is that Thor and Odin both realize that the only way to fix things is to like kill themselves, basically, to 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 bring about uh, Ragnarok and start the cycle again. I understand that, but it seems kind of dumb to have four issues of fighting against the inevitable when we realize it's inevitable. You know. <laughs> so you're suggesting that since it's inevitable, let's just go ahead and cut to that. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody, Sibuku, and let's save, let's save four issues. Let's go. <laughs> well, I, I gotta agree. I mean, the art uh, is just beautiful in this book. I mean, when you look at his face on, I believe it's the third page, that is just, just that guy is messed up. You're talking about the rotting corpse of Thor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his, I mean, he's just brutal. Yeah. But no, uh, I very uh, much enjoyed the the the, the art. I, I don't quite have the issues with the story uh, that, that you do. Because you know it's it's one of those things you tell the story to experience it. I mean, obviously it's going to only end one way, but uh, sometimes seeing how they how they deal with it is interesting and engaging, and how they come to to terms with it. Plus, I like having a tear that's not a whiny little girl. Yeah, that is a uh, nice decapitation scene, isn't it? Yeah, he's just a badass <laughs> in this book. Yeah, and then you know having Sif kind of being this harpy, you know, trying to claim the throne at the same time. I uh, I enjoy that kind of relationship going back between the two of them. It is certainly something we've not seen before. Right. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I, you know, I, pretty much what what you and you and Tim have said, though, I'm a little uncomfortable uh, seeing Odin experience autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> it just—it's amusing to me that you can just sit there and have this uh, pleasant conversation with the man who's hanging in your uh, in your hall. Um, and and you know, along those lines, there. There is some writing in the book that I am also not happy with. Yeah, it, it, Tyr says, it is left to a man of ability to step forward and assume command. These aren't men, these are gods. And it bugged me, it, it really pulled me out when I, when I saw him refer to himself as a man, because, you know, they're gods and they should be referring to themselves as such. Yeah, I, I missed that, but you're, you're right, that yeah. is kind of disturbing. It, it just, it just, out. Yeah, it did, it, it, it absolutely lifted me out. The artwork is just beautiful on this beginning to end. Um, I I do think the story's running a bit long. Um, I, I you know kind of like what what Tim was saying that you know if, since it's inevitable maybe this should have been a five issue series instead of a six issue series. It does seem like they're stretching it out a bit. But other than that, the art's a win, and it is a kind of a Thor story that we don't normally get to see. So I've been enjoying it. I hate it. I fucking hate that book. I will. You're so yeah. dark, Paul. Yeah, Paul, you've got such a dark heart. You do. Speaking of Dark Heart, how about the Darkness 87, Paul? Yeah, um, I have to say, my local comic shop, I, he, uh, 
you know, I, I tell stories about my local comic guy, the one who, uh, you know, emailed me and told me that I was a dick for not <laughs> buying uh, The Scourge and Magdalena. See, I think you're so, a dick, but not for those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple months ago, he, he said, I noticed Darkness is on your comicsology list. Uh, so do you want me, I, I, he says, I don't carry the darkness. I'm like, okay, well, that's a little odd. I'm sure somebody would like to read it, but yeah. whatever. So he said, do you want me to start ordering it for you? And I said, sure. Now this was like issue 82. Um, well, issue 87 comes around and uh, I'm still just reading the, uh, PDF that, uh, Top Cow sends us. So I, um, I, he, it's still not in my pull box. So I was a little disappointed because I prefer to read the actual comic um but darkness 87 came out this week and uh, i read my pdf edition and i i quite enjoyed it actually uh, i think it was a a very well written done in one book that um even if you're not familiar with the darkness or you haven't read the darkness i think it's a good read because it ties in uh angelus stuff as well yeah i thought it was a really good look at kind of the inside working of the cult of angelus and uh uh, like you said, it's all nice and self-contained. You find out that this this one particular guy in, in, in the Darkness's group has actually been a, a double agent for some time. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers on. Just gonna. I'm just gonna keep spoiling shit. Uh, so, yeah, there we so go. Now it's official. He, uh, yeah. Now it's official. He, he gets his head lopped off, trying to. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah. When he he he's trying to take out Jackie Estacado, he hesitates. Jackie takes him out, and. Um, but he still lives on in the book as a construct of the darkness. Uh, Jackie basically puts him back together, and uh, you know he, he is a, a living darkness being. So I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I wonder how that's going to go. Well, I mean, and he didn't just hesitate. He actually stood there and came to the realization that he shouldn't kill Jackie. It wasn't just like, oh, I paused and panicked for a second. It's like, should I really do this? Now, he questioned his entire life that we've been reading about all through this book. And in that mm-hmm. one minute, he realizes that you know, what he's been doing is actually served better by letting Jackie live. And then Jackie cuts off his head. <laughs> Which was great. <laughs> but extremely well-written book. Um, you know, uh, it's written by Phil Hester. It's, you know, it's the only Top Cow Universe book not written by Ron Mars. Uh, so – you know, it, it, it really fits in well, I think, with the other titles. But it, you can – Enjoy the darkness, even if you're not reading Witchblade or Artifacts or any of those. It, it is very much a standalone title. Uh, so I, I, I actually really am enjoying the darkness. I, I It's kind of been in this same storyline, though, for over a year, I think. Of, um, it's been going on for a while. Yeah, so you know, I, I'm kind of ready to see it end. And supposedly, next issue, it says, is the conclusion of the, the big story arc. So I, I'm looking forward to that because it's, it's kind of dragged on a bit. But not quite as bad as a what-if book. <laughs> Actually, this what-if book was incredible. So what if Iron Man, Demon in Armor, or, you know, put better, what if Tony Stark had become Doctor Doom? I bitch a lot about what-if books, and I bitch about them because, you know, of just how good what-if used to be. And the, the trend over the last couple of years is every time they do a what-if book, they can't just focus on a single story and give it the attention it really deserves. They have to split it up across three or four different stories with different creative teams and you know, generally miss the point. This feels like an old what-if book, and by far this is my book of the week, although I'll admit that 
didn't have very far to climb to become the book of the week. <laughs> it really felt like one of the old what if stories. Stories. You're given the story of here's how their here's lives how change. Here's how Tony and uh, and Doom met in college. You go through their life. You have their their meeting together again later, and it's a complete story that's fully fleshed out. What if hasn't had that in a long time, and it's got me really hyped for the other what if books they're releasing, you know, throughout December because December seems to be the month of what if. Yeah, the, uh, the what if Osborne one siege looks really good too. Yeah, that I read the sneak peek on that one, and that one looked really good. And I haven't, yeah, and I, I haven't been jazzed for a what if book in a long time. Yeah, and I'll say I'm avoiding spoilers because uh, Aaron mentioned they, you know, he didn't realize it came out, and I'm hoping he'll pick this up and read it because yeah, it was. Well, it was really good. It's it harkens back to the old days when What If actually was a full story. Yeah, there are, I think five or four. I think there's four What If um, one shots this month leading up to What If number two hundred. So you know they're they're doing a big thing this month, and I'm really interested. There's one in a couple of weeks. Uh, what if Spider-Man had killed Craven the Hunter at the end of Grim Hunt? Yep, and the and, other uh, one is What if the Watcher killed Galactus? Yeah. So and but the one next week is what if Wolverine was a good father to to Doc? <laughs> so, is that the title? That's funny. <laughs> what if you know, I almost didn't dad. notice. I almost didn't notice this was a what if book, and the only reason I noticed it was because it was in my pull list. And I'm looking through my pull. I'm trying to figure out why. Why do I have Iron Man demon in armor? I don't pick up Iron Man stories anymore. And then I caught the tiny little what if under the marble label on the top left. You know, just glancing at it on the shelf, I would have never realized this was a what if. Well, what if yeah. we move on? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, it, it's kind of funny. We were talking, you, you said this was your book of the week. It, yeah. it, it occurred to me that I didn't enjoy any book I read this week except the one that we didn't talk about, which was Brightest Day number 15. That's a sad state of affairs when I say Brightest Day number 15 is the book I enjoyed the most in a week. Now, why in the hell did you read Brightest Day number 15? You know, What's I wrong with it. you that you did that, Paul? <laughs> I mean, well, it, it, had, you, had you been you know, hitting the blow again? Were you on the pipe? <laughs> did I ever stop is the question. <laughs> um, well, you know, it, it, the cover says, whatever happened to the Manhunter from Mars? I read some preview pages. It was what inspired me to buy it. Um, yeah, I got looked a very through that. It cover. looked interesting. Yeah, it, it, speaking, it's kind of a what-if tale, honestly, which is, you know, Martian Manhunter John Jones gets a Green Lantern um, Green Lantern ring. But it's also, you know, it, you, you've heard of whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader. Right. So this is kind of – you kind of know that it's kind of all in their head because that was – you know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow was kind of that storyline as well. Um. So this is, you know, John Jones is, you know, obviously this is all in his head, but he has imagined that he has a Green Lantern ring and it's 20 years from now and Mars has been repopulated. And basically, you know, Batman is aging and he's getting ready to die. But, you know, all the other heroes are still kind of young. And something takes possession of John Jones, of his mind, and he kills all the heroes um, he hangs Wonder Woman by her lasso. He drowns. Well, he um, he kind of like dehydrates Aquaman. My my favorite death is the Flash. He cuts off the Flash's head, and the Flash keeps running, kind of like a chicken. 
<laughs> worth the cover price, right there. <laughs> it's. I mean, I was like, it, it's pretty brutal. I mean, it's a very violent book, um, but it's you know the it's. I guess it's written kind of by Pete Tomasi, with art by Patrick Leeson, you know, who were fans of from their Green Lantern core work. So I actually really dug this book. The issue was really good. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't quite get the, the ending of it necessarily, um, because the ending ties back, I guess, with what's going on in the brightest day books, but you can enjoy 99% of the issue other than the last two pages, because it kind of is like a done in one Martian Manhunter book. So I enjoyed it. And that was my book of the week. Wow. You know, Paul, if that wouldn't have been your book of the week, if you hadn't have picked that up, would your book of the week been that free sneak preview? That Marvel did? <laughs> no, because that'd be kind of sad. It has sneak peeks of books that I've read and have sucked, like uh, <laughs> Heroes for Hire. I'm going to warn you right now that if this thing starts spoiling stuff, I will beat ass if you guys <laughs> Well, you know, the, I, I will say that the, the Marvel sneak peek that they, they, they put out, uh, it showed that what if, uh, you know, uh, Siege had ended differently. Um, you know, had ended well. <laughs> I, I, I was really jazzed with that, and I, I would not have have even opened up the book without that sneak peek. But that sneak peek looked really good. But yeah. I gotta say, did you guys get the print error in yours? What was the print error? In my in my sneak preview book, the ending of the what if pops up like ten pages after the rest of it. Like the pages were put in out of order in my book. Oh. No, I didn't oh, have no. that. I didn't have that either. Yeah, so it confused the shit out of me. Well, I'm, I'm uh, sure that that's your uh, comic book guy screwing with you. <laughs> it might, maybe. <laughs> Give it back three seconds. <laughs> that would have looked really good, and I would have picked it up anyway. What surprised me was the Chaos War X Men looked really interesting, and I might actually pick that up, and I wouldn't have without having read it in here. Now nah, you're alone so, on that one. Yeah, I thought we all vetoed the Chaos War. Yeah, exactly. Incredible oh, yeah. Hulk still looked horrible, and it reminds me why I don't buy Hulk. Yeah. We we do have a Chaos War embargo here at uh, Funny Books. <laughs> <laughs> the only book it, it in, this one got, is going to get me interested in that I wasn't already planning on buying was that What If 200. Everything else that I was planning on buying, you know, it didn't change my mind. But no, it didn't no. change my mind on, like, Widowmaker number one. I still don't give a shit. You, and nor just, do any of you. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the hell with it. But you know what we do care about, Paul? We care about Christmas. More importantly, we care about getting stuff for Christmas. Yeah, politically correct, Aaron. It's Christmas Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs> and Festivus for the rest of us. There you go. Now we got everything covered. <laughs> so, uh, as has become tradition here at uh, you know Funny Books, because you know we're doing it for the second time. <laughs> this is our annual, then, right? No, third, third is annual. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we want to share with you some ideas for the geek in your life and and, and the the you know gift giving season that is. So, uh, Andrew, your first one in the box. Right now, there's a new TV show out on AMC called called The Walking Dead. It's gotten a lot of people excited about it, even non-comic book reading people excited about it. So what's better gift for them than The Walking Dead Compendium 1, collecting the fir- uh, issues 1 through 48 in a 1,088-page uh, book? 
God damn it, Andrew. I bet you every single one of us picked that book, too. <laughs> Good thing I went first. <laughs> Got it in. I, I, I didn't pick that book. I'm not I'm not part of the sheep. <laughs> well, the, the other thing is I haven't read this yet. I, I guess I'm slow and whatnot, but I've never read Walking Dead, so I'm kind of hoping to get this. I'm hoping to get wow. this myself. It's on my list that I gave to my family, so. See, oh. I'm going back through Walking Dead from the first trade on right now. I'm on about trade eight, and I had forgotten so much of it, and it adds to the TV show a lot, having gone back and reread it. And you can pick up on Amazon right now for thirty five ninety nine. So that's a great that, price. Yeah, for yeah. what is it? Forty nine fifty issues worth of comic. Forty eight issues. Forty eight issues. That's a damn good deal. That is a really yeah. good deal. You so. know, I I, I am uh, three trades back. I, I'm I'm like. You know, I, I, I am not current on the Walking Dead trade, so I've got about three trades there to read. Same thing with Invincible. I'm about three or four back on that one. So uh, that's on my list for my wife to pick up for me. Stupid Robert Cartman. So, Aaron, <laughs> what do you got on your list? Well, first and foremost, I am embracing the digital comics world. And I would like an iPad so I can take my, my digital comics with me wherever I go. Um, I have not purchased an iPad yet, largely because I feel like I need to wait till uh, uh, the the second version comes out, the the iPad two, mm-hmm. and you know because I think there'll be more features on it, and I think it'll be a little bit cheaper. But God, every day I sit there going, I just want one now. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, if it were to appear under the tree, I would be happy to have it. But otherwise, I'll wait and buy it myself uh, uh, when the second version comes out. Well, you, you, the fuss only funny happened to me the other day. About two weeks ago, uh, my, my dad calls me and says, "Hey, I'm buying your mom an iPad. Do you want to chip in on it?" It's like, sure. Yesterday I get a call at work. It's my mom. Hey, I'm buying your dad an iPad. Do you want to chip in on it? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had a conversation. Hey, we can we can each get an iPad if we, you know, hose our son over. <laughs> so when you show up to your folks' house for Christmas and you open up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get my iPad. You're no. not getting an iPad. <laughs> I'm not getting an iPad. That's the thing. I know I'm not getting an iPad. So I'm going to be sitting there while they're playing with their iPads going, yeah. Ooh. I'm going to be like, oh, look, I got a shirt. Thanks, yeah, Mom. Whatever. <laughs> I got a BlackBerry. <laughs> I could I'll be getting a mixing too. board and a condenser mic. That's that's what should be under the tree for me. Ooh, very nice. So, Wayne, uh, what's the uh, top of your list? Batman XXX, a porn parody. <laughs> nice. Because I need to admin my list. Hold on. <laughs> Nothing says the birth of our Lord incarnate better <laughs> Than superhero pornography. <laughs> or, the, or the Joker old face. <laughs> no. Seriously, the first thing on my list, though, is uh, gift certificates to in-stock trades. That website is incredible. Everything is you know on sale. You can get the 300 hardcover right now for $12. Yep. And wow, you, get a, you get someone a gift certificate, they have this huge catalog to pick from. I'm not normally a big fan of gift certificates. But when it comes to comics, it's really hard to figure out what someone does and doesn't have that's not you. Hell, sometimes it's hard to figure out what you have. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, if you're going to do a gift certificate, something like this, where they can get a lot of stuff for really cheap, that's my vote. Yep. Hey, and make it fifty dollars because shipping's free if they order fifty dollars. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't make them pay for shipping. I'm going to suggest that on everyone's Christmas list should be Batman to Beyond the complete series DVD limited edition package. 
Um, it just came out uh, two weeks ago, I think, on, and it is obviously it's the complete series of Batman edition, the animated series uh, on DVD. It's in a very nice large box. It's not going to just fit nice on their DVD shelves. They'll have to put it someplace, you know, fancy and show it off. But a couple of years ago, they did the same thing for Batman the animated series. Had this really sleek edition with behind the scenes documentaries and a nice book and stuff like that. And so they're doing it now for Batman Beyond. It's about $70 on Amazon.com, and I am I think it's money well spent. Batman Beyond is an excellent TV series. No, yeah, I, I don't, totally agree. I love I love that series. It's much <laughs> better than the comic books. It's a very good this, series. Yeah, but don't buy them the most recent comic book series, or they will disown you. Except for that annual. Except for yes. that annual, yeah. yeah. But uh, how about you, Tim? What's on your Christmas list? Well, I'm not celebrating Christmas. Because oh. I I'm busy having to make all the all the who's and who will cry boo hoo hoo hoo. Um, <laughs> so Tim, but, what's on your festivist list? Wow. Well, when I'm not busy shooting my own eye out, I would like to see <laughs> DC presents Young Justice one and two. Um, just because you know the Young Justice cartoon, uh, you know, premiered and it got me thinking back to when. You know, Young Justice was around and I didn't have to deal with Beast Boy and Raven and Cyborg and all the other. BS, and I'm like, oh, I miss Young Justice. Bart was actually funny. It was it was a good time. And you know, these are on these are on DC Presents, which I know Aaron was saying was a little high. But if you go to Wayne's in straight in stock trade, whatever his website is, um, you that's in stock trades dot com. Yeah. <laughs> Have we said it enough times for you get the kickback yet, Aaron? Working on that. <laughs> We're getting there. Um, you might be able to get them for cheaper. So that's one thing that I would want under the tree. But you know what, Andrew? I reject your Walking Dead. Give me another you one. You do? Yep. Give me another one. Well, if you're not if, – if you've already read, like probably most of you, if you already read The Walking Dead, uh, maybe maybe your tree isn't quite as spectacular as it could be. And uh, this year, uh, Marvel put out a uh, – their 2010 ornament was this fantastic Green Goblin – Spider-Man ornament where you know the goblins on his glider, Spider-Man's kind of perched underneath it, shooting webbing up at him. That it's is beautiful. A, it is a beautiful ornament. I saw that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I'm. I'm it looks great on the tree. Once you put it up there, it's uh, it's a little bit of geek on my otherwise vanilla tree. So uh, <laughs> I would highly recommend it. Well, and along the lines of uh, of ornaments, uh, uh, the, the the Star Trek ornament this year is the Starship Enterprise from the, from the 2009 movie. Also very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, do, do I remember that you have a very Star Trek tree? I have a very geek tree. I've got uh, you know the hero ornaments on there and the Star Trek ornaments on there, mixed in with the more traditional ornaments. But uh, yeah, my my tree is pretty geek. I mean, I my Hulk ornament is up really close to the uh, angel at the top of the tree. <laughs> I wish I could say I had the same thing, but the only geek thing I have on mine, I do have a Batman ornament, but that's really it. See, and I, I've got several Batman ornaments. I've got several Superman ornaments. I, I got a lot on there. I'll send you a picture. Nice. <laughs> well, didn't you have two trees last year? Yeah, we have two. We have, there's my wife's tree, which is you know completely traditional, and then there's my tree, which has all the geek stuff on it. Gotcha. Yeah. But 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 my tree is you know in in the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> So that you know you, it can be avoided by the wife. So, <laughs> so uh, also on my Christmas list this year, and uh, uh, I'm sure that that Paul's going to scream at me here in just a moment. The Spider-Man Noir game for Xbox 360. Ah, 
I wasn't, you know, I, I played a couple of Spider-Man games, uh, like I played the Spider-Man movie game, etc., uh, and wasn't real wild about them. But the fact that this has Spider-Pig in it, I am so in. So what? Which game is that? Was that Shattered Dimensions? Shattered Dimensions. Or? Oh, Shattered Dimensions. Okay. Yes, it's not yeah. Spider-Man Noir. Thanks for correcting me. Shattered Dimensions. You were throwing me because I actually really want to play Shattered Dimensions. I haven't yeah. played it yet. I really want a Spider-Pig. <laughs> yeah sorry about that spider-man shattered dimensions you know i'm gonna go with something that i actually got a couple of years ago for christmas so my wife got me i think i may have mentioned this before a set of razor sharp batterings like i actually can take this outside toss it and it will stick in a tree how cool is that cool to have a set of batterings that I can display on a wall i can take outside stick in a tree and if a robber comes in the house you know, I can get myself killed trying to fight it with my batter eggs. How cool is that? That is very yes. cool and very disturbing all at the same time. Yes. <laughs> Interest like you should do that because then there'll be an opening on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the TSA pattern junk, Wayne, because it's just telling. I don't fly, so you're fine. <laughs> it's just a batarang. It's just my batarang. Don't worry. Batarang. So it's a whole set. Wayne turned Christmas fucking real. Well, w- Wayne is also that guy who ventures down with his friends into the city sewers to play D&D for reals. <laughs> <laughs> Not this make-believe stuff the rest of us do. Drink for this potion. tastes like fruit juice. <laughs> Paul, you got anything else under your tree? I do. Well, I already bought this uh, for myself because I didn't – you know, one, one year I put uh, a Friday the 13th book. Like the movie, there was a a big hardcover coffee table book um, about Friday the 13th, the making of the series, the whole history of it, blah, blah, blah. And so I put it on my Christmas list and three people bought it for me. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'll just, you know, I will just buy this one for myself. Icons, the DC and Wildstorm art of Jim Lee. Um, it is a oversized, an oversized hardcover book featuring um, Jim Lee's art from his days since moving over to DC. Uh, so you get a lot of Batman stuff, Vertigo stuff, Wild Storms, uh, his art on Superman. You get an original Legion story in it written by Paul Levitz with art by Jim Lee. Gorgeous, gorgeous book. If you're a fan of Jim Lee's art, it is a must own. It is absolutely fantastic. You know, you're going to spend hours just looking at the art in this book. It's just a fantastic book and highly recommended. Yeah, I've seen that. It it looks beautiful. Unfortunately, it was under wrap, so I couldn't actually open it up and look at it. But it looks gorgeous. You know, and it it answers the question of um, in when him and Grant Morrison did a reboot of Wildcats. There's a sex scene in the first issue between Spartan and uh, Voodoo, and like it's all blurred out. And I'm like, I wonder if he drew it that way or not. And you find out for sure that he drew it blurred out. So it's just weird. Well, I was I, hoping I, you were going to say that he drew it not blurred out. That's no. that's less exciting. Yeah, it, it blew my – I'm like, why would he draw it blurred out? It's like it, – it, was it in the script that blur out Voodoo's nipples? Weird. <laughs> Well, it was Grant Morrison. <laughs> He's got a fear of nipples. Nipples can be very intimidating. Tim, do you agree? I, I don't care. <laughs> Tim is engaged. He's gotten off the rails. God, you guys got to get back on the rails. 
Well, get us back on the rails, Tim. What is the second thing on your Christmas list this year? Well, you know... Is it a train set? Is that what the rails are? Uh, no. <laughs> um, you know, so Aaron gave us homework. He's like, hey, hey, jerks, I need three gifts from each of you, so you better get cracking. So I did what any creative red-blooded American would do. I typed geek toys into uh, Yahoo, and I ended up on thinkgeek.com under Cube Warfare. There's these wooden catapults. And I was like, you know how cool it would be to go into work and set up the wooden catapult and just wait for it before I declare war on my cube mates and to, like <laughs> toss grapes at them and stuff, like with the wooden catapult, because they actually work. So I that that was that was the second thing on my list. Was so the, how big was, is this catapult? It's you know it was it's like a eighteen inches by like maybe another 10 high it's it's kind of big for a cube so i i thought it was cool the price range is like 20 to 35 depending on shipping so so is it is it big enough to like launch a kitten no 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 like i said more like a grape how about a rabbit but but could you upscale that so that you could launch you know like a a mouse i don't know (laughs) if you could give it the tool time more power uh treatment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of imagining, you know, shooting that over to you know my cube mate across, and you know, the next thing you hear is just, you know, kind of like that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But, uh, I don't want to get fired, so I think I'll just stick to grapes and like. I don't know. think there's anything in my company policy about <laughs> catapulting kittens. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I found there soon will be. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, for our third choice, we're going to lightning round for the uh, interest of time. So, Andrew, go! Uh, Smallville RPG, go. Woo! Uh, See, I'm going to slow it down. (laughs) Weird Wars 2 for Savage Worlds role-playing game. Uh, Played that at Fear the Con last year, and it was outstanding. Wayne! Banks. What, that's not enough? Comic book banks. I'm a big fan of those. Gather, you know, yeah, gather them up on a... uh, on a ledge, and it's like you know little statues, except you put money in them. And Diamond puts out some really good ones. Just know, remember, you got to save up three ninety nine to pick up Heroes for Hire number one. <laughs> Paul. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Lightning round. Uh, Iron Man two on Blu-ray or DVD, depending on what type of player you have. Tim. Invincible Ultimate Collection one. These jerks made me buy it last year and got me hooked in Invincible. Woohoo! Bam. Done. Well, we have given the world. A lot in terms of uh, geek gift ideas, and and I would like to see all of this under my tree on Christmas morning. Well, and uh, if you're a cheap bastard, and <laughs> uh, or you're you're, yes. you're a little tight for funds this year, give the geek in your life the present of funny books. Just download all of our episodes, burn them onto a DVD, and put them under the tree. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so much nerd rage that it'll just take you through the holidays. <laughs> you, you gave me a free goddamn download. Last year you gave me an AOL disc. <laughs> this is much better than AOL disc. You know, and if the geek in your life is having trouble sleeping, you can download Cardboard Crack and burn that to CD for him. What? He's not here to defend himself. Ooh. <laughs> and on that note, you guys have a great week. See ya. See ya. Thanks a bunch. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. 
Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. intimidating.